welcome to episode number 33 of the Who Am I podcast with the Southside Church of Christ. This is where we take the time to consider our identity as Christians and what that means in today's world. This is Brian Dill, and here with me, as always, is the incomparable Jackson Wills. I love these compliments, man. <laughs> They're great. They're great. And we are also very excited to have with us today uh, Dale Jenkins joining us as a guest on our show. Welcome. Thank you, Brian. It is an honor to be here. And uh, Jackson, you might want to look up the word comparable. It doesn't always mean, it's yeah. not always a positive thing. <laughs> I feel like there's, there have been some words that he's said that I've not known. Incomparable or comparable? In, incomparable. It's like incompetent, right? <laughs> It's great to be with you guys today. Thanks for inviting me. We are excited. So let's let's go ahead and get this episode started. All right, Dale. So we we sort of warned you that uh, we have some very random questions to to ask you today. So uh, I'm I'm going to start. I think yeah, you go. Okay. Three. All right. Uh, so question number one. Why do you always drive a convertible? That is a great question. I think you're the first one. So um, after both my sons were born um, and I was married, obviously, um, I went to buy for the first time in my adult life my own car. Just for you. For me, a car that my wife would have a car, I'd have a car, and it would be my car. Okay. And it wasn't something my parents told me about or anything else, so... So I, I, I go to Joel Emerson in Hamilton, Alabama, okay. a, a friend of mine now, and I bought a Pontiac um, something, you know. Okay. The <laughs> Pontiac nothing, actually. Yeah, right. <laughs> I drove it for about four days. And I, well, I was out driving one day, and I thought, I don't want this car. Why did I buy this car? I, oh, no. I never wanted a car like this. Oh. This is about an average car you can get. What I want is an MG Midget. <laughs> so I, I went back to Duel and I said, Duel, I put a couple hundred miles in the car. I'd love to. He said, I'll just give you the money back. No big deal. So wow. I found me a, I found me an energy midget. And my wife said that day to my sister, Dell brought home his midlife crisis. She's green and topless. <laughs> <laughs> so I've owned nine convertibles since then, and I just like convertibles. Right. Okay. Just just for the wind. You know, the top down. It's a nice day, you know. And, uh, yeah. They're not more expensive, really, than a right. regular car. It should be cheaper. They're you would like less top, yes. Less, less material. <laughs> All right. My first question is, um, this is more about you, stuff that you're involved with. What is the Jenkins Institute? Oh, great question. Uh, so to put it really simple, uh, it's, it's two preachers who love preachers and ministers who want to encourage them, who got together and decided to do that. And then we needed a name to call it. And, uh, you know, we thought, oh, that sounds real fancy. <laughs> Honored it, uh, named it honor our dad. Now we do a lot of other things now with churches and elderships and uh, mission trips and a lot of other stuff. But primarily, still at the heart of everything we do is we want to encourage those people that are in ministry. Because there's not a lot of things out there that are really designed and geared directly toward them. They're givers, and they give and give and give, and they look for other things other programs to to help give to other people, we want to do something that goes back to the ministers. That's great. That's awesome. It's much needed. And uh, yes, thank you for your work for that. Thank you. Absolutely. So my second question, you know, switching back away from the serious. <laughs> so you 
in in your lifetime, you have lived and preached in Tennessee for how many years? Um, twenty seven. Twenty seven years. All right. Uh, I'm not going to take a guess at what percentage of your life that is, but <laughs> how are you not a UT fan? I like winners. <laughs> how was that? I knew. Yeah, I was like, uh, we'll get a good answer out of that one. <laughs> you, you know, um, UT made a huge mistake when they fired Phil Fulmer. Mm. Uh, they didn't know who they were going to hire next. And I, I sometimes talk to elderships that are wanting to change preachers. And it's like, so you're going to let this guy go and you're going to hire another one. Who are you going to hire? Well, we don't know. It's going to be, well, <laughs> study Tennessee. How many coaches they had since they fired Fat Phil? I mean, you know, yeah, right. it didn't work too well for them. Right. Uh, but uh, I don't, I don't. To try and fix it. <laughs> I don't dislike Tennessee, uh, especially as long as they're not winning a lot. Right. <laughs> happier then. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm uh, uh, I was born an Alabama fan. I'll be with right. this one. I've noticed don't say the you don't say the word red. You say crimson. Yes, that's right. That's right. So I'm colorblind as well. So I really don't know the difference. Right. Every day's crimson. I hollered one time. I was on a golf course with Jerry Elder, and I one time hollered at a guy. I said, "Roll tide up!" But the see, Jerry said, "What are you doing?" I said, "The guy's got a red shirt." I said, "It's your orange." I said, "Oh no!" He gave us a dirty look. So, oh, agree. So, speaking of being colorblind, I first learned that about you at CYC, which is where I was first introduced uh, to you. And uh, so, I've had a lot of fun at CYC. What would you say, um, a lot of our kids know you from CYC, what would you say is your favorite CYC memory? Oh, man, that's simple. Uh, there, there, there are two or three things that stand out. I'll be quick, but first is every year when you stand up there for the first time, you see that sea of, of young people. And, and my mind always thinks God took 12 guys and changed the world. Right. If these people all committed to the Lord, wow. to the Lord with this many lives, it's just overwhelming. Second is every year as we get near the end, we've had 30 or 40 or 60 baptisms reported to us. It gets a little emotional just thinking, you know, that uh, we got to be a very, very small part, got to be a part of that. But the best memory I ever had was uh, three years ago, I had I had written a book about elders, and I invited all the elders to come down the front. I was going to give them a copy of it and pray for them. But I didn't know how to make that happen because if I dismiss and have them come down front, they'll never make it down there. The kids will get out the like come. So I thought if I have them come, so I invited them to come down. And in the process, I thought, well, I've got to say something. So I said something about, you know, if you're here with a youth group, in all likelihood, these are the guys that approved you being here. They probably paid part of the way. May may have a van they bought. They may be youth minister. They're paying. They may pay the gas. They may pay everything, and just you get to come. And I did not. I didn't see it coming. But I don't know if you remember it. Everybody started clapping and they applauded and they gave them a standing ovation, a very long, prolonged standing ovation. Wow. And and I, those guys, so many of them were just weeping. You know, it's so yeah. neat to see these, you know, godly, austere, older men. So moved by appreciation for young people. That's my favorite memory of all yeah, time. That's that and when Ralph Gilmore couldn't talk because he, did you, were you in the audience? I was in the early session, early session. so I got to hear him. <laughs> so he t- I asked him what happened, and he told me after. He said, I had never spoken in front of that bigger group before. I just I just got nervous, and I thought, all right. And I tell guys often that, that come to me, every year I'll have somebody come to me, let me lead a song, or, or yeah. why, why do y'all get Kyle to speak? I can speak as good as Kyle. Well, you may be able to. 
but there's something about standing in front of that big a crowd sure. that not everybody can do. And right. and I'm not saying I do it because I just make announcements, but but those guys are there. There's a reason that these yeah. people are selected for that. That's right. Absolutely. That's okay. right. And especially when you've got the in the round. The, I love the round. It's so cool. It's so cool. Yeah. All right. Last random question. Okay. okay. Hot weather or cold weather? Cold weather. Yeah. That's simple. But then you can't <laughs> ride with the top down. Uh, you want to make a bet? <laughs> so so cold weather because there's there's only so much you can take off, but you can always put more clothes on. Yeah. See, that's my rationale too. Yeah. I mean, if it's between ninety five and thirty five. I'd rather be 35. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I can I can bundle up. I'll be fine. Jackson, I've driven in my convertible with, with it snowing before. So, <laughs> oh, man. And, uh, <laughs> now, that'll commit. Yeah, I mean. Five with the, by the top comes off, the top needs to be down as much as possible. That's my theory. In fact, I had it down the first hour and a half or so, hour and 15 minutes or so on my way up here today. Right. And then it started raining uh, somewhere oh. in between there. And yes. it, it rained about 10 miles before it got a little hard. And then I had to pull over. You know, right. rain doesn't hurt you when you're going to six. <laughs> yes, it will. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that's, that's great. I uh, always enjoy getting to, to talk to some of our, our guests and get to know them a little bit better. And as we get into what we call the beat of the week, we are asking a question that I think some of our listeners are going to be a little surprised by. They, they are are uh, probably going to be caught a little off guard by this because the question the, the questions that we typically ask automatically apply to all of our listeners and they uh, they know that but this one's a little different because the question is am i a preacher now now Dale you've been preaching for about 45 years 45 years 45 years preaching i've been preaching over 20 years which is difficult for me to fathom uh even Jackson I've you preached. know, you, you have preached. <laughs> I mean, you preached your second sermon ever here at Southside. Is that I think, I think it was third. Third sermon ever for. But now that you've been here, the the amount of time that you have, you've probably preached twenty twenty five yeah, times. Thereabouts, probably. So, yeah. so I think all of us, uh, the three of us anyway, would say, "Yeah, I'm a preacher," and you know, that's mm-hmm. that's fine. But but the rest of our listeners are going, "Do I even need to listen to this episode?" <laughs> So maybe people are a little hesitant, but I hope that that we can help them understand that this is actually something that that applies to all of us. Yeah, it absolutely does. Let's look at Acts chapter 8, verse 1, and then I'm going to fast forward a little bit to verse 4. I'm just going to read these two verses real quick. It says this, And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Fast forward to verse 4, it says, Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Note note a couple things here. All were scattered, and it's that group of people specifically that are preaching the word. It's just that all people isn't very specific. That right. includes everybody. Right. <laughs> well, and notice who is not part of the group that was scattered, the apostles. <laughs> right, right. And which so, are which would be the the guys that you would assume are preaching. Right. Um, but not that case. Not they're the your preachers. That's your first century yeah. preachers. That's the apostles. That's not anybody else's job, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so so our our first question then that we want to discuss is is uh Dale, what what would you say makes every Christian a preacher in some sense? So that's a great question, and uh, I do want to go back to Acts four in a couple, Acts eight in a couple of minutes. But 
don't let me forget to do that further in this because there's something really neat there. You left out a couple of things. I know you did that on okay. purpose because you were trying to get to verse 4. But there are two things that stand out before I talk about what makes everybody a preacher. One is in verse uh, 2 or 3 where uh, Saul is breathing out threats against the church, making havoc of the church. And the other one is where good men came and buried Stephen. Mm-hmm. And those two are pretty significant when it comes to what's happening in the grander scheme of things. Rather than getting really scared to death, this persecution made them more bold. That's right. Mm-hmm. Instead of being scared. And everybody's afraid. If you have older people that listen to this podcast, by older I mean they got kids themselves. We're always afraid. What happens to the church in America if if things get worse than they are now? They're, they're right. definitely worse than they were 20 years ago. Right. Not also in bad shape, but they're worse than they were 20 years ago sure. for the church. What what will we do? Well, the truth is we'll probably become stronger. That's right. Most of the time you persecute God's people, God's people get stronger. Okay, so to your question, I don't I don't do a lot of Greek. In fact, I'm horrible at Greek. And Van Winkler says to my audience while I was preaching at Spring Meadows every week, and he's like, yeah, <laughs> I make up Greek words. <laughs> uh, the Greek word for preach, uh, one of the Greek words for preach, there are several crusades, several others, but the one that I like the most is euangelisticite. Yeah, uh, which I mispronounced. I know I did, but it sounds really good that way. And uh, it's like the word uh, uh, one another. It's, uh, my word is lelu. It sounds Hawaiian to me, so I like the word. That's not what it means. That's not how it's pronounced. But euangelisticite, uh, which uh, means to announce or to spread or to share good news. And so in the sense that every Christian has something good to share about Jesus, Every Christian is a preacher in that mm-hmm. sense. If you're, if something good's happened in your life, James one seventeen, if something's good's happened in your life, it's from God. Every right. good gift, every good thing on this earth is from God. So you share good stuff. That's what preaching basically is. It it, it gets to the pro- proclamation of the word of God, but but in, in its very base root, it's just to announce good news. Right. Yeah. And that's something that I. Even as the the youth minister talking to to kids, encourage my kids to do to to talk about gospel. I don't I don't call it preaching because honestly it, it's it scares them. And so that leads me to my next question or our next question: What do you think are some of the challenges people deal with in trying to accept this part of their identity as Christians? Yeah, that, you 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 already said the word scared. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I've been doing this for. You know, 45 years. I've been a Christian for 52 years now. And I knew when I was baptized at age eight, I knew then that I had a responsibility to share the good news with others. And uh, the first person that I ever really taught was my good friend, Curry Harris. Uh, Curry and I were in school together and uh, we we're both pretty young. And I remember we made a trip together. His mom drove us from Birmingham, Alabama to Atlanta, Georgia. And I remember on that trip thinking, I'm going to talk to Curry about Jesus. And I can remember watching the mile markers, literally thinking, next mile marker, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to him. Next mile marker, next mile marker. <laughs> we met all the way to Atlanta, went to Six Flags back when it was a thing. Then we, then we drove back home every mile marker. I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to talk to him. We literally turned into the neighborhood that I was living in, and I finally got up the nerve. Uh, we, we just get nervous about this. Yes. And and it's an unnatural nervousness. It's it's and, and it's born out of probably born out of what if I get this wrong? Yes. But 
it's not this is not a matter of getting it right or getting it wrong. It's a matter of of, of doing it. Yeah, right. So I think I think the biggest thing that holds people back is they're just they're afraid. They're afraid they're gonna mess up. They're afraid they're gonna mess somebody up in doing it. You know, uh, or get a question they don't know how to answer. Yeah, or, yeah, that that sort of thing. Well, I think um, another potential reason might be because people uh, see other people preaching. They see yeah. Ryan or Dale or, or somebody else up there on, in the pulpit, and they're like, I can't do that. <laughs> right. There's no way. Right. I, I can't. I can't. You're talking about Ralph speaking in front of 14,000 people. It's not easy. But then the other thing is that they, they see other people doing it, and then they think, I don't have to do it because they're taking care of it. Yeah. And so it's like this lack of willingness to take all the responsibility. This one guy, he's been hand-selected by God, and he's going to get up, and he's going to, that's his job. It's not my job. Right. I, I, I also think that one of the hindrances, and I wrote down three, and the, say, the second one you already talked about is, you know, that's that guy's job. But the third one I wrote down was we tend to think that it's all one thing, and it's never one thing. Now, it's about one thing. It's about getting people to heaven. You think of God's eternal plan. It was one thing, getting Jesus to the cross to be crucified so he could die for man, so he could be ri- so he could rise, so he could establish the church. It was really one thing. How long did it take God to make that plan happen? <laughs> you know, Ephesians talks about before the foundation of the world. Right. So we know several thousand years. How long did it take God to that plan to act? What was involved in that plan? You think of a Boaz and Ruth, just a little segment of the history of, of man, God dealing with man, just a really, really small segment, but it needed to happen. It became part of the grand story of what God was making happen. Right. Think of, uh, of Joseph being tempted by Potiphar's wife, uh, you know, just one thing. Yeah. But it was part of the plan. That's right. God didn't say, all right, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to have a a study with somebody. I'm going to tell them about my son, and they're going to become become Christians. What 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 I'd encourage folks to listen to the podcast here, and especially young people, is to realize you don't have to take them from, you know, God from Genesis one to one to Revelation twenty two. You don't have to take them all the way through the Bible. You just <laughs> right. you just you just be a part of that plan. You plant some seed yes. that, about the Lord, about His church, about His family, about His way of salvation, about how good God is. And then you let God do the work. I can't tell you the number of people. I, I, I baptized a guy. I don't know how long I need to talk on this, but I, I baptized a guy uh, several years ago, and he was a tennis player. Uh, he was married, and he had two kids. And uh, I, I, after I baptized him, I said, talk to me some about all that's involved in the process of you becoming a Christian. What brought you to this church? What brought you to these people? Right. And he told about a guy named Lynn Griffith. Probably nobody listening to this will know who Lynn Griffith is. He was a, a tennis coach at Lipscomb University years ago. And uh, he said, I was recruited by Lynn to play tennis. So I played tennis four years. I got a degree. Found my wife. He said, that was 20 years ago. Wow. But he said, the person, the reason I'm a Christian today is because of the influence of Lynn Griffith. If he had not recruited me, if he had not been a positive influence, if he had not had devotionals every before every practice where we got together and talked about the Bible and about Jesus. He said, I don't know anything about the Bible. He said, it was 20 years later, though, when he became, becomes a Christian. 
So what what are you doing today with your group of friends you have lunch with in the in the in the cafeteria or that you right. hang out with that 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 twenty years from now may be the fruit? Eugene Cashin told me years ago, uh, he he wanted the church I was preaching at to start a a nursery school program, a Mother's Day Out type program. Sure. And he said, little town. He said, most of the kids that grow up here will stay here. He said, and they'll live in this little town their whole life and never never leave. And he said, at some point in their life, there's going to be a moment when something happens that turns them, turns their attention toward, my life isn't what it should be. Right. Maybe I need to reach out. And he said, what if they remember some little old grandmom rocking me when I was a two-year-old in that rocking chair in that church building? That's right. This is where they come. And I remember thinking, that's just kind of cool. We each get to be a part of God's process of bringing people to his son. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that, that I think is, is really interesting when you start looking through the New Testament and the, and the, whole, the whole picture uh, 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 that we get from all the different writings of, about what it takes to reach people, the, the, the different things that you can do, because you have, you have passages like, Jude 3 and the idea of contending for the faith. Mm. And that kind of scares a lot of people. Well, well, that's not the only thing that there is to do, like you're saying, you know, because there's uh, other places where we've, we've talked recently about the idea of, of boasting. You know, the only thing that we're encouraged to boast about is Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, it went, and, and we've, we've talked about, you know, let's, hey, when was the last time you bragged about what God has done for you and, and the fact that, that uh, Jesus has done so much for you? And, and so there's there's ways to to do preaching that is not standing in a pulpit, exactly. uh, delivering a sermon. Exactly. And, and and one of the things that we need to understand is different personalities and how different personalities reach different people. Right. There are people I can never reach that uh, that that somebody listening today could reach if they made some effort. Uh, and, God uses personalities. You, you mentioned Jude, so you're gonna you're gonna send me down that rabbit hole. But here, oh, here's here's Jude that writes about earnestly contending for the faith, right? And our more right winged people in the church is kind of the raw meat eating guy, you know, or contend for the faith. You know, Jude writes this book, one chapter, and he does not mention a single person as a false teacher that is contemporary of his, but he's a contending for the faith guy. Right now, y'all are y'all get ahead of me real quick. Who's the apostle of love? <laughs> John. John. So John's just loving. He's just you know flowers and petals and you know everybody. Oh, I love each other. So he writes John, Second John, Third John. What's right. he the Second and Third John? He calls people out. That's right. Uh, so the one that's full of love is the guy that. What's what's happening there? Well, I, I don't I don't know because I can't prove this, but Jude's personality probably was such that he 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 didn't like confronting people. And John didn't have a problem confronting me. You read one of the early stories of John calling him fire from heaven, you know. That's right. <laughs> so, but but he becomes this great apostle of love, but he still has the ability to call people out about specific things. Right. Different people, different personalities. Different personalities reach different people. Absolutely. Absolutely. So so then um, I guess the, the next step, you know, all right, you deal with some of the, the, the fears that we have, you know, recognize that. That different people can do some different things. What What are some some tips uh, that that you might offer? You know, how could someone more effectively be a, a a preacher in their everyday life? Okay, 
I, I wrote down two things and just two things, and that's and y'all can we can talk as long as you want to about them. But before we do that, I want to go back to Acts chapter eight. Okay, where those that were scattered as for the persecution that rose against Stephen, because Stephen told everybody that God could save anybody, and it made the people mad, so they stole him. Right. And then persecution arises as a result of that, and they're scattered, and those that were scattered go everywhere preaching or teaching the word. Right. That's Acts 8, 1. Flip it around, Acts 1, verse 8, Jesus tells the disciples, begin at Jerusalem, go to Judea, Samaria, other, other most part of the earth. Right. We're in Acts 8. Where have they been? Nowhere. Pretty Jerusalem, Judea, <laughs> maybe a tad into Samaria, but they've not even close. There, nobody's left. Right. God uses the persecution to do to get them moving like they should be moving. I kind of think I, I, it wasn't written in chapters and verses. It was kind of neat. You got the 8 1 and the 1 8. You know, right. They kind of work in tandem with each other. Easy for me to remember anyway. Two things. One, practice. Okay. I mean, it, any, anything we're good at. We, we practice. We don't know, call it practice, but uh, sorry, first time you walked. It was, it was, it was a practice session, right? <laughs> and it probably didn't go well, but you, but you practiced more and you got good at it. Right. Talking, same thing, practice. People talk to me all the time. How do, I, how do I learn to preach? Well, there's a lot of things you can do, but probably the biggest thing you do is actually stand up and preach. That's right. You know, that's how you get trained to do this. Um, so, and that's true, you know, I want to be a nuclear rocket scientist. Some little four-year-old says, six-year-old says, well, congratulations, that good. that's good. What do you have to do? You have to practice. You have to learn. You have to figure it out. Brain surgeon. Now, you want the guy to have practice before he does it. Yes. If you never talk about Jesus, you're not practicing. Right. That's right. You know? And the, the other one is, and it's kind of, it's, it's, uh, it's uh, I don't know, kind of corny, but uh, just do it. Just try it at some point. Say, you know, hey. We're having a meal together. We're going to pray. Is there anything we can pray for you about? Tell your friend, hey, I'm I'm going to VBS this week, or I'm going to camp this summer. Love for you to go with me. Just do something. Right. Um, do something. That's one of my, I love the phrase, do something, and it's it's kind of neat. When I was preaching in, in Hamilton, I don't know if I mentioned that name on the, the podcast yet, but when I was preaching in Hamilton, uh, it's where Mayweather Christian Camp is, and it's a great camp down there. And we're having, uh, we're building a new staircase in the pavilion. This is uh, 1995. Uh, incidentally, I will be in Hamilton, Alabama this coming Sunday night, August the 6th. I'm, I'm dating the podcast here, I know, but I'll be there. And they're having a service in that pavilion. This is the last service they have. They're going to they're demolish it after that and build, build a new one. So uh, I've known that pavilion since it was first built in 1970. So I'm going to get to speak and everything. It's kind of cool that, that what they're going to do and all. But we're building this staircase. And they're a father and son building it. Gene and Eugene. Good album. Nice. Gene and Eugene. <laughs> and uh, I went out to, uh, uh, and, and you can't see what I'm saying. Well, now, and in air quotes here. I went out to help them, okay? <laughs> I have no ability to help anyone build anything manually, okay? But but I felt obligated that, uh, you know, people say preachers don't work. I need to go out there at least make an appearance and move some boards or something. So I head out there and I'm making small talk with them. I say, tell me about some of the past preachers have been here. And they start talking about different ones. Uh, Levi Sides, that's a Burleson, uh, my dad, W.T. Allison, several guys. I knew all those guys. And they, the father and son get in an argument 
the, the son said, well, you know, there's a guy between Etzel and Levi that came. He didn't stay long, but he's, the dad said, no, there wasn't anybody between Etzel and Levi. And for 30 minutes, they argued, not about what this guy's name was, what he did, but whether he even existed. Okay? <laughs> when God sits in heaven talking about people like he talked about Job, right? I don't want him to wonder whether I existed or not. Yeah. Do something. Doing something ties perfectly in with that first thing that you said, practicing. Because once you do that one thing or, the, or something for the first time, it gets a little bit easier. Talking to your friend, uh, coming back from Six Flags, a little bit easier to do after the first time because you you, you get used to that feeling. Um, and yeah, practice. That's all I got. All right. All right. <laughs> right on. So the question, am I a preacher? If you call yourself a Christian, yeah, you you should be. You should be. Um, I encourage you to to listen to this and then take some stuff to heart. And, and hopefully there's something that you can uh, be encouraged by when uh, you think of yourself as a preacher. So. Absolutely. All right. Dale, you have any final thoughts? Is there anything you want to share with everybody? Well, bless those people that endure to the end of this. Yes. <laughs> Hopefully they'll be blessed. And I wish the best for them. And thank you all for having me on today. It's an honor to be yes, with you. Yes, sir. We are, we are so glad that you came and joined us. Uh, we thank everyone for listening to this this week's episode. We are are appreciative of all those who, who take the time to tune in each week. And we hope it's been beneficial. We hope that it has been something that helps you grow in your faith and, and especially something that helps you grow in your identity as a Christian. So we pray that you have a, a great week and a blessed day. Take care.